Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker. That makes me the other co-host, Chris LaSalle. Hey, Chris. Hey, Dave. Welcome back. Thank you, sir. So we're on uh, minute number two, and we are starting this minute with Kirk saying, we are assembled here today. And it ends with a torpedo being launched towards the Genesis planet. A little bit of deja vu. It is. Um, and this is, again, you know, recapping what we talked about a little bit in minute number one about how the most powerful of scenes, you know, with Spock dying and then the, the big speech where, you know, Kirk has the, you know, the moment where he's, you know, of the, of the many souls that he's met in the universe is, is the most human and it still gives me pause whenever I see this minute or see, you know, talk about this because it's just so, it's so, so amazing. Yeah, agreed. And I do like, a, again, you know, I'm going to shout out to the producers and the, and the, you know, the people that made this movie about the transition from, you know, the blue two-tone to, you know, and then, then to color and, you know, brings us full colors. He's giving the powerful speech and shooting they shoot the torpedo out so i really i really enjoy it i know you're not as big a fan as i am well, i'm gonna uh, i'm not i'm not a huge fan of the recap no but i do like uh i do like the transition here as, as the screen gets bigger and bigger mm. uh and the, the way it it finally fills the screen it's very pleasing to the eye the way it expands and right. and fills the screen and then immediately you know spock slumped down and gone and then as soon as it kind of gets to that final feeling the frame it cuts to his torpedo um so i i do like that i feel like it's a yeah i feel like it's a good recap though because you know we're only in minute two and you know we're gonna finish the recap in minute three some recaps i feel like go on forever and this one's real quick. It's, you know, hey, Spock died. Hey, we give the awesome speech. And boom, we give the terrible, you know, looking jungle planet. <laughs> you know, that's what I feel. Yeah. I find it interesting. I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's snappy. And it, it, it's, it's effective. I have a question mark, though. So we, we go from the, the, the two-tone blue. And they, they finally, it, it gets to color, you know, just as... Kirk's about to say, you know, of all the souls I've encountered. It, do, do you think that was a deliberate decision to do it, to put in the color there and not say when they, you know, cut down to the, to, to the Genesis planet? I just find it, it's interesting to me that they did it at that point, And I'm wondering why they didn't do it earlier or later. Why not right. do the whole thing in two-tone blue? I don't have an answer. I just find it interesting. Yeah, I don't have an answer, but I feel like it's it's the right moment. You know, just looking at it, it's like they they made the right call. You know, because I don't know. It just feels it just feels right. I feel like the boys over at Alien Minute, John and Mitch, would um, you know, they'd have a they'd have a different view on the sepia tone. You know, the two tone color. But um, 
I just really like it. I think it just fits perfectly. I, you know, it's getting warmer. You know, the color is very cool, and then you know it warms up a little bit, and we see a little bit of the warmth in Kirk, and then you know, obviously the firing of the torpedo. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that really is the best place to do when he says human. You know, with the lip quiver, that's that's a good time to fade in. You know, pull pull all the color in. Um, that does, I guess, logically, that does that is good, or emotionally, that's a good place for it. Sorry, I was being Vulcan-like for a minute. <laughs> so yeah, we get the uh, the great shot of the torpedo uh, getting launched out of the Enterprise. Uh, I love, always loved, I always love an exterior shot of the Enterprise. So yeah, uh, and even though we've seen this one you know, probably three times now, I <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, still enjoy it, and it's always fun to, to even just pause it and look and admire the Enterprise. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean that's. You know, part of the the enjoyment of these movies is just seeing the space scenes, seeing the the battles, and seeing you know the Enterprise fly around. Right. So I have a bit of trivia at this point, as we're uh, um, you know seeing the torpedo uh, orbit. Right, I know we talked about this last season. What, what is it? Was it orbiting? Was it crashing? What the heck is it doing? Um, so the novelization by Vonda McIntyre. Um, she uh, based the novelization based off uh, Harv Bennett wrote the screenplay. Um, the rumor has it that he wrote that screenplay, uh, started writing it almost like days after uh, Rathacon okay. uh, hit the theaters and became a huge success. That he immediately started you know, writing uh, writing the sequel. Uh, Nicholas Meyer, the, our director and writer from the from Rathacon, said he didn't want any part of it um, mm. because he felt. You know, the death of Spock was, you know, the right way to end that movie and close that storyline. And, you know, uh, using Spock as a, you know, in, in this film again, uh, just he wasn't, he didn't think it was, you know, true to the, the origin, to the, the Rathacon film. Um, huh. I find that, I find that very interesting. Like, I did not know that. And then yet he came back for another movie, which centered a lot on Spock. Yes, that's true. You're talking about Star Trek six, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was basically his idea and, you know, to do things in the movie. And he was a main part of that whole, whole movie. I am looking forward to talking about that movie. As am Um, I. That's a good movie. Um, Especially the, you know, what could have been right. Savick was supposed to be Kim Cattrall's character. I forget her name. That's not a, I'm confusing her with uh, Valkyris, who's in this film. Yeah. Um, well, Kim Cattrall but, was supposed to be Savick. Right. She was originally what they who they wanted. That and, was my bad. That's my bad trekkie moment of the season. Yeah. I, f- I forget what her character. Yeah, name Nicholas is. Meyer originally wanted her, and he eventually did get her in a different, you know, Vulcan role. Right. Right. Anyway, so where I was going with this long stretch of I said I had trivia um, in the novelization, uh, we learned that. It's Savick who programmed the orbit of the torpedo. Oh, really? And Kirk was Kirk wanted it to burn up in the atmosphere. Yeah. And she disobeyed the order and programmed it to soft land. Oh. So that so that was not a, not an, in the novelization. It was not an accident. Uh, Savick did it on purpose, um, not with any um, you know hope that. Uh, things unfolded the way they do unfold in the in this movie. She just mm. did not want him to 
burn up in the atmosphere. Did not think that was something that Spock wanted. So, so go ahead. No, I was going to say, hmm, that just gives me a big hmm moment here because okay. we know that she's, you know, half Vulcan, mm-hmm. you know, Romulan Vulcan. And it just gives me, you know, without talking about future events, it just, she's a, hmm. Hmm. I find that curious that she did it not just because she just wanted him to land there. I feel like that is a, like there has to be more to that. Well, they did. They definitely in the film, right? We don't know yeah. in any of these films. We don't know that she's half Romulan. That's just from the novels. True. Um, and I'm, I'm talking more about the, you know, the, the Vulcan, just her being Vulcan mm-hmm. and, you know, what we learn later in the movie you know, from Sarek about Vulcans, like how, like you're saying in the novelization, which we know is not canon, but saying that she just did it because, I feel like there's more to it than just because. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to do some homework because I forget if there was a because. I read the book a while ago. <laughs> you know, sure. And, I, and I, I'm alluding to, and I'm just going to come out and say it, like, obviously we we know the movie, we know it very well, and... We've all, you know, I hope the people, the listeners have seen it more than once. Um, if not, I'm giving away a big spoiler here. But we know what about Vulcans, and we know that Sarah comes and talks to Kirk about Vulcans when they die. And oh, yes. So I'm thinking that, you know, with Savick being a Vulcan, and then, like you said, she just sort of does it. She disobeys Kirk. You know, Kirk obviously doesn't know. You know, he's like, you know cremate you know cremate him and let's give him you know a glorious death by you know torpedo shooting and move on uh, you know sorry it just the visual that just popped into my head was you know you know and she just she just sort of she just sort of does it so i feel like either you know nothing to against vonda mcintyre but i'm just wondering like was there a missed opportunity there that Savick did it because, you know, she could have alluded again, foreshadowing. I love foreshadowing in movies. Is, was there something she could have said, something she could have written that would have alluded to that Savick knew what she was doing? Right. That she, like she, she knew, knew and like Sarek knows that there are, there's, there's, there may be more beyond the physical death. Yes. Of right. The body. Exactly. Yep. Yes. Right. Okay. So I'm going to do that for homework. Because uh, again, I just jotted down my the juicy tidbit I had was ooh, Sa- Savick disobeyed Kirk, yeah, and I I have forgotten what her motivation was. I will find out. <laughs> so stand by. And I gotta say, uh, I miss I miss you know obviously we've been on hiatus for for a long time, and I miss these discussions. I miss talking about Star Trek in this way and delving minute by minute into these. And I hope that the listeners. You know, and will enjoy it with us because I really missed it. Yeah, well, yeah, as did I. And I know we during the hiatus, you know, we saw each other several times, we talk all the time. Um, and I don't think we really talked about Star Trek too much. We really kind of kept it in the can mm-hmm. so we could save it for this. Yeah. Um, so okay, well then let's let's um, uh, again because not much going on in this minute that we haven't already talked about yeah. ad nauseum. Um, I, I want to talk about the novelization a little bit, and part of the reason is. Uh, in the novelization, the film doesn't appear in the novel until page eighty. <laughs> yeah, I find that's kind of that's crazy, but that's good. That's uh, and you yeah, know we 
we've talked about it. We've asked like the the listeners like what's canon, what's not, and we've sort of come up to the determination that everything in the television shows and the movies are are canon, and nothing outside of that is you know the comic books or the the novelizations. So some stuff. I I like Star Trek Three. I'm a fan, right? Yep. Um, I think there's a lot of great stuff in the novelization that I would have liked to have seen on screen. And so I want to talk a little bit about some of the highlights from uh, early pages. The, the, the book the book actually starts with a wake for Spock mm. uh, and the other crewmen who died on the Enterprise. So there's yeah. a wake happening on the Enterprise who's put together uh, by Scotty. Um, and it's, it's not going well. No one's really interested in being there. You know, everyone has their own private grief. Yep. Uh, Kirk doesn't want to be there. Uh, Carol Marcus uh, uh, appears in, in, in the novel, even though she's not in the film. Yeah. Spoiler. Um, but we learn uh, a little bit more of her story. Carol, uh, one of her, her lover, her boyfriend was one of the scientists on Regula and oh, he was really? one of the ones that was murdered. Oh, wow. Um, so she has her own, you know, private grief going on. Mm. Um, McCoy is, uh, already in the in the, in during the wake showing signs of something is not right he's he's uh he's drunk but he's complaining about why, why would anyone uh you know drink recreational poisons <laughs> there's a line similar to that later in the movie um kirk brings carol or walks carol back to her cabin saying hey do you want to get out of here mm. and kirk thinks they're getting back together and Carol, you know, corrects him at her door saying, hey, this is what's really happening. I lost my my love, my boyfriend. Yep. I don't think she says boyfriend. I feel silly saying boyfriend. Um, you know, shuts him down. So, so I think that's an interesting aspect right there that Kirk was ready to start things back up yeah. with Carol Marcus. But the juiciest part, Savick asks David to come back to her cabin. Ooh. Ho, ho. She is uh, tired of feeding her Vulcan side and, and repressing her Romulan side mm. and expresses that to David and says she wants to explore more of her Romulan side and invites him back to her cabin. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and there were, really? obviously, there were hints in Rathacon where they had met before, that there were relations, there were cut scenes and stuff like that, so... Not surprising, but still, wow. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. There's there's some more in here, and and uh, I'll, I'll save it for for future minutes. Uh, but I just wanted to you know put it out there. I I think the you know I think not having Carol Carol Marcus in the film is is odd. Hmm. You know, you know, especially you know how intimately tied she was to Gen- the Genesis Project. Yeah, um, really. <laughs> yeah, and knowing you know knowing the things that go down in this movie, like not having her there is just a strange choice to me and i think they could have very easily you know used this to you know flesh out her character more they could have used this storyline and, and we would have we would have learned more about her we actually would have learned a, bit, a little bit more about the characters on regular one because we really didn't get to know them very well in star trek 2 uh so i think it's a lost opportunity i don't know if they i don't know if they filmed the scenes and just cut them or they didn't film them film that film film them at all right kudos to vonda um, for including all this stuff and fleshing it all out, because it was uh, it's it it made me want to see all of this play out. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I'm I'm eager to hear more. 
All right. I have not read the novelization, even though I have it. I felt it was better to, much like going through the movie, to hear it through what you're experiencing and then mm-hmm. go back and read it after. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I respect that. All right, sir. Well, that's all I had for this minute. How about you? I am good to go. You're good to go. All right. Well, um, folks, um, we're going to wrap it up here, but uh, I'd love for you to join us online, uh, continue the discussion about this minute and other minutes uh, about Star Trek, Star Trek 3. I'd also be very curious to hear your thoughts on some of the stuff we're sharing about the novelization and, and where things could have gone with the film. Um, so why don't you come over to the Star Trek Minute Listener Federation on Facebook. Uh Join up. Uh, you'll you can interact with other listeners. You can interact with Dave and I, and um, we love to hear from you. And uh, so we're going to be back again on Friday with minute three of Star Trek Three here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>